0: Is Ivanhoe going to be an undercover FBI agent?
1: Dude, I kept thinking people were undercover. I kept thinking people were undercover FBI agents. I thought, um... I don't know why I thought the wife was a fucking undercover... (laughs) Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon, and I finally watched Black Klansman.
0: And this is David, and I also finally watched Black Klansman.
1: Well, what did your cracker ass think about this movie?
0: I mean, I think I have to say I love it. <laughs> no, I um, I say like, for most of this movie, I was like, is this my new favorite Spike movie? Yeah. Um, It... It just was very funny. It's obviously making a point in a very smart way. Um, And then towards the end, there was a couple things where I was like, I don't know. Is that really good writing? Is that a little bit lazy? Is it like, are the characters sort of like a character would never do that? Is he making a point? And I never really got an answer on what I'm talking about. And I know I'm being very vague, but um, we'll talk about that when we get there. I mean, overall it was great. And it, it ticked a lot of like spiky boxes that I wanted. I you know, I noticed in uh, Miracle at St. Anna, we did not get a dolly shot. And in this one, we got a double person dolly shot with the inside man score playing as they rolled down the hallway. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah. Every everything you wanted and more. Uh, We also got the double the double hug cut, the one I talked about, but you don't seem to notice. But instead of a hug, it's actually him when he puts the uh, phone down on the receiver. We get a double shot of that. I did notice that one this time. And I was like, I guess that's what Alon's talking about. It's usually done in a hug. But yeah, so so it was done in a in a receiver. Um, yeah, I is this my new favorite spike? I think it's a movie that probably. Uh, get gives more to the general audience than most of his other movies, It seemed more like blockbuster-ish than niche, if that makes sense. Um, I I think that also has to do with like Adam Driver being in it because he was so like um, popular at the time this movie came out. I think more towards the point of what you were talking about towards the end, though, and we will get into detail about that. But it did seem like the writing seemed very on the nose, like too on the nose at times
0: yeah yeah i mean the the one dude in the party saying yeah i want to make america great again and then um one of the other the most on the nose point to me was when the like second in command was telling uh john david washington which i'm going to use real names because otherwise it's confusing if i'm talking about the fake ron or the real ron
1: right
0: um he was like oh well david duke he's running for president and uh john david washington very pointedly says no no racist white guy like that would ever be elected president i was like why don't you just look in the camera after you say it too like you had a little wink yeah so i mean there are certain parts here and there that like i don't know like you said could have been a little too on the nose but overall i mean it's great so funny um maybe in ways that like would make you uncomfortable to laugh but still hilarious uh and then other, like, I think other moments were just like, so, for example, this movie does not commit the crime that some do, where, it, like, we talked about Miracle Santa Anna, where it showed, like, oh, maybe this is a good German, right? This didn't show any good racists, and I think some <laughs> of the most, like, amazing parts to me were Felix and his wife, like, in bed, right? Just talking oh about, God. like, how excited yeah. they were to kill black people, and... Just like it was like a normal thing, like, oh, we're going on our anniversary trip. It's like, oh, you know, we've been looking forward to this. And so just like kind of showing the like the blase nature of like super racist people. Um, And
1: and not just racist people, but like. um, uh, People who I mean, (laughs) I guess I guess, you know, um, the Jews are a a race, but more of a religion factor, but being being uh, anti-Semitic and then um, being homophobic, like that all clumps into the the KKK nature.
0: Yeah, and there's one, um, one big point I want to make, and I don't know, maybe I belabored this too much in the Jojo Rabbit episode, um, but Jojo Rabbit was, and very vaguely when people argue about this, was like, you shouldn't make a parody movie like that at a time like this when anti-Semitism is so high. Like, are those same people offended by Black Klansmen? Because, like, it's kind Um, of the exact same thing. It is. You
1: know how we said Miracle at St. Anna is, like, if, like, uh, Inglorious Bastard was directed by Spike Lee? This is like if Django Unchained was directed by Spike Lee.
0: But this is, like, this is a little less, like, of a, like, a like a low stakes for fri- fr- frivolous nature that Jojo rabbit is a lot of the times. Right. But this is a straight parody of the KKK and racism, like with like, and and a lot of the blowback from Jojo rabbit was like, Oh, you you know, you're saying a lot of these anti-Semitic things. There's a lot of anti-black language used in this movie. And it's <laughs> like, it, even if you look at like, Oh, well, spikes black. So it's okay. I mean, Taika's part Jewish. So it's like, they are apples to apples and so it's just like it is interesting to me like someone who had a problem with that but, movie what like how they would feel differently about this movie it's just i but don't know you're,
1: you're saying it like like black klansman didn't have any backlash when i pretty sure i'm certain that it did i it think from out.
0: the group it had black backlash from was the people it was like directly pointed <laughs> okay, at okay, okay
1: no i think like in a general audience sort of sort of way people had people had problems with this movie um and i don't know i mean i don't agree with the people who had problems with jojo rabbit jojo rabbit's one of my favorite movies that we reviewed possibly in my top five top 10 definitely
0: yeah i and- mean i didn't i didn't want to go too in depth into this i really just wanted to point out like they are such similar like conceptually movies right like of what I'm what? saying,
1: though, is that people who have problems with Jojo Rabbit, they're they're a bunch of pansies.
0: So <laughs> Okay, that's good. That's very good. <laughs> um, I think we should just get into it, honestly, because this movie, like, you texted me, and uh, you were like, how are we going to talk about this movie? And my first thought was like, well, very carefully. But I do think as it goes along, as it builds, the story choices are kind of interesting, and in the way it goes, and the way it sort of makes you feel like I've said so many times how I hate the like, oh, no, are they going to get caught? You know, what I mean, like kind of like people making stupid decisions that, oh, are they going to get caught? Are they going to, you know, what I mean, the, the tension, right? I like, I don't know. I just tension in movies really gets to me.
1: The suspense it's, and the tension. Yeah.
0: The payoff of this movie is so great. Um, well, this movie
1: gives you so many things to worry about, and then it's just like tied off with a nice little
0: bow at the end that you're like, oh, I, I didn't have anything to worry about. Sort of yes and no. I mean, there's a couple things that too, like to me, like seem like they're unanswered or maybe I don't know. That's it's all of this re- revolves around the chief to me, which we'll talk about as we go through. Um, the chief of
1: police, yeah, the oh, Colorado okay.
0: Springs chief of police. So this starts with uh, the movie showing it's a Confederate movie of like them, you know, have having lost the war. And what I now realize was Scarlett O'Hara. I've never seen Gone with the Wind. But that was apparently like the end of Gone with the Wind or part of Gone with the Wind where she's going around as these Confederate soldiers are sitting there. Um, And then you have the Alec Baldwin speech, which is like so funny. And like the way he's flubbing his lines and going over them again and like getting fed lines and like really great.
1: You know, I thought um, I don't know if he's playing someone specific, but if you and I knew Topher Grace was in this movie playing David Duke, but if you didn't know that you could almost think that. Alec Baldwin is playing David Duke,
0: right? Yeah, he was like something Beauroof. What was his name's in here? Doctor Kennebrew Beauregard, which I don't know. I don't know my racist history that much. I don't know, know my racist either. So yeah, that's so... good on
1: us, um, or bad it, on it, us. It, I don't know, depending <laughs> on your way you look at it. This movie starts in a much similar way that Miracle at Saint Anna did, with like the the cold open of like someone talking directly to the camera. Um, Alec Baldwin. Not as sexy as the Nazi woman from the first from Miracle of St. Anna,
0: but um <laughs> we, you depends know. Depends on well, your orientation, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh and then it gets directly into it where he drives up to he, John David Washington, drives up to Colorado Springs and he's interviewed by two guys, one of them Isaiah Whitlock is, Yeah, once again, gives <laughs> us what you want. And then they they sort of ask him, and this is like the kind of the ultimate question of this movie, and it comes up again and again. It's like, you know, if you, like, have to deal with racism on this force, are you going to be okay with it? And he's like, well, should I have to? And he's like, "It, you know, it might come up. And he's like, can you turn the other cheek? And he's like, you know, maybe. If I if I need to, I, I can. And, it, you know, it comes up again and again. Yeah. Um. And then he's immediately put in the records room. And <laughs> it is kind of funny that, like, you can understand the rest of the police being like, like, dude, you're new. Like, what the fuck are you? Like, why are you Why are you, why are like, you... so yeah,
1: you... done ho about getting like uh, a promotion so fast?
0: You belong in the records room for at least a couple of days. <laughs> like, and he's just like, I don't I fucking hate it in here. I guess we don't know how long he's been in there. Um and then he goes up to the police, <laughs> should I shave the natural? Is there anything else I can do to uh you know, I want to go undercover? And he's like, No, no, I want you right where you are, and I like your afro, like it's fine.
1: I don't think he meant it like in a in a positive way. But, you know, it's it's funny, too, because it kind of positions the chief as being as bad as that guy from that what TV show. Is that lie to me? The real racist skinny cop that was uh, that was there. He was in
0: a show I used to watch way back when. But so his um, name is Landers in the movie. His name is Fred Weller in real life. He is the son of, I think, Peter Weller. The original RoboCop, oh. and Robert John Burke, who plays Chief Bridges in this movie,
1: <gasps>
0: wasn't was, RoboCop. He was RoboCop Three, I believe.
1: Oh wow! Okay, I see it. I see it. A lot of RoboCop references. Um, no, but the the thing about it is that he's like the worst. He's almost just as bad as David Duke,
0: and um the rest of... I the thought he rapids. was going to end up being in the clan. Like, I thought that was, like, where this was going.
1: I was watching this with Taylor and she was like, he's going to be on their set at the end of this. I just know it. I was like, no, he's going to die. <laughs> I was like, something bad is going to happen to this guy. Um But the, the, the part where it's like, okay, so all the cops in this precinct are racist, you think. Um Even Adam Driver in the beginning when you meet him isn't, like, the greatest representation of, of. He's just,
0: he's like unwelcoming and it's like a rookie. So you don't really, I think it's purposefully, you don't really know what his deal is.
1: But then you have the chief where you think it's going to be just as bad, but then the chief turns out to be pretty,
0: pretty good. I don't know about that. Is that great? He's not great, but he, he stuck well, up Well, let's just say no. Okay. So I, I for the whole movie, thought he was going to be a KKK member too. A secret
1: KKK member?
0: I did. And then when he shuts down the investigation with no explanation and everyone knows it's kind of bullshit, I expected him to like reveal himself on the Hill. But I think it kind of... It kind of almost makes more sense to not have that because it's like the racism that... Like black people have to deal with always isn't just like a hooded clan member. Sometimes it's just a person in authority who like shuts down something that could help black people. you know what I mean like he doesn't have to be a kKK member to hurt, yeah. John David Washington and the cause he's going for. It's just but like they- he fucks it over just in his regular capacity,
1: but it doesn't even feel like he's fucking it over personally. It's like his higher ups are fucking it over well,
0: we don't get an answer to that. That's kind of the confusion to me is like we don't really understand what happened.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Which there is a book, so...
1: By... Um, it's So it's a true story, because it's by Ron Stallwell.
0: Stallworth. Stalworth. yeah. Stalworth. Yeah, whatever. You sort of just... You just sort of gave up on the end of that name. I
1: did. I <laughs>
0: um,
1: But it's... So it's a, based on a true story. Do you think he actually had that actual conversation with David Duke?
0: So... I was going to get to this in the end. But, yeah, like, most of that stuff with David Duke happened. Apparently... David Duke did not find out until 2006 that Ron Stallworth was black. Like, there was no, the conversation at the end where he reveals himself, that didn't happen, even though it's, like, one of the best parts of the movie. (laughs) And Topher Grace just sitting there, like, dumbfounded is so fucking great. And then apparently something (laughs) I read Uh was that when this movie was coming out, David Duke the real David Duke called the real Ron Stallworth upset about the way he was going to be portrayed in this movie as like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it showed a picture of the real David
1: Duke at the end of this, uh, at the end of this movie. Correct. Yes, it did. Yeah.
0: At the, the unite the right rally or whatever it was called. Um, so the chief changes mind pretty quickly. And, He's like, yeah, you can come in because, oh, we kind of we now actually need a black guy now because we're worried about the Black Panthers. Is I don't even know. Was it? Yeah, I guess it was a Black Panther speech. It was
1: the Black Panthers, but it was almost like a like a resurgence um, because the black. So the Black Panthers were really big during the Vietnam War, which which just ended at the beginning of this movie.
0: You asking that as a question?
1: Kind of. I'm pretty certain. I mean, they kept asking, why, why did you serve in the Vietnam or why didn't you serve or have you served in the Vietnam War? So um, this movie is so like, this movie has references to present time. And it's so like, uh, like modern day, like modernly shot and everything that sometimes I forget it's a period piece.
0: Yeah, so apparently the film takes place in 1972, although the real investigation took between took place between 1978 and 1979. I was like, I had no clue when this was supposed to take place. I guess I wasn't really paying attention. In the to beginning,
1: like... in the beginning, it says the year and the place and everything.
0: Okay, all right. Well, that makes sense then. I should have written that down. Um, so he goes to this Black Panther, basically just a meeting. It's a speech by um, Kwame Ture, I believe his name is now, and. I radicalize is too, f, you know, far of a word, I guess, but it's sort of like the speech gets to John David Washington. It's interesting that like his character is basically a blank slate when he gets into this when he comes into this movie. We like know nothing about him really. Kind of yes, kind of no.
1: There's this moment, and you have little moments throughout, kind of like fleshing out his character. He he's kind of a like a giant nerd, right? He's just a giant geek. And you see this, like he's in the records room and like the guy leaves and he like karate chops the air and like does like a spinning little kick. And so I don't know. And then he talks about like Shaft and um, like different like uh, black exploitation films and stuff like that, like his not his idols, but like, you know, people that that are that he's a fan of or like little fanboyish of. And I, I don't know. I get like. I get what you're saying, but then you get these like snippets of like his nerdism.
0: I guess. I don't know. I feel like also he plays in a lot of movies. He plays sort of a blank slate, like tenant. Yeah. Um, You saw the creator. I haven't seen it yet. So.
1: He, he's Yeah. Pfft. I mean, I really like the creator, but I, I I see what you mean. That's just kind of his acting style almost.
0: Yeah. Um. I also just to say this now, I was like. You know, having Topher Grace just play himself as David Duke, I was like, I don't know, man. It's just, and then they show the real David Duke at the end. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Pretty fucking close, honestly. Like, like you, not bad you
1: mean as himself, like like no prosthetics and no like facial hair or makeup. It's just Topher fucking Grace. Or
0: I mean, he kind of looked like him too. I, I I don't. Yeah, I don't need. Like I what you would imagine,
1: what you would imagine, like a like a forty years ago, David Duke would look like.
0: I mean, I yeah, I guess I don't know. I just think with the hair and everything, it, it kind of looked close. I actually, I think Topher Grace. It's kind of odd. Like he, he's a good actor. He doesn't do like character stuff. I've never seen him play anything else, but he is good. Um, and like, I don't know. It's just it's it's weird when you have someone who's like. He was just playing this kind of normal, you know, that 70s show. It's just like not a stretch for anything. Right. And then the next thing I saw him in was, you know, he did a lot of rom-coms. He did his like he played himself in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And then, you know, you see this and you're like, I don't know, is he good? Is he? And he was he was very good in this. It's just now he's very he's got a very distinct voice, very distinct way of talking. Like, I think if you
1: are going to play like an iconic racist that everyone pretty much associates like the KKK with and stuff. I think it's better to be a famous actor than a nobody doing this because you can get into a trap where not just typecast, but people will like hate you because they associate you with this character because it's at this point, maybe in your career, it's the only character you play. Um But having it someone so iconic like Topher Grace like everyone knows who Topher Grace is it's like you can't you can't be mad at the actor for this role does that make sense
0: yeah I mean I guess I don't think anyone was going to be mad because like I don't know he sort of gets his comeuppance at the end a little bit did you notice like how well shot the speech was like the focusing in on different people in the audience and then almost just like removing all the background and showing faces pop up here and there, yeah. and then showing like the way it affected John David Washington. Cause that was actually what I was talking about is like the blank slate thing. Like we don't really know, like we know he always wanted to be a cop cause he says that, but we don't know like how, you know, how much, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, like how much he cares about black issues. Like the, the people at this, that this rally that he's going to, that he's going to as an undercover cop, right? We don't understand. We don't know any of that background. And so to to see him that affected by this that he's like you know he goes the next day well he he goes out with patrice and she tells him about the racist cop feeling her up but the next day he goes to the chief and he's like ah oh, we don't have to worry about them nothing's going to happen there and adam driver backs him up and then leading to the next thing he sees this kkk advertisement he's like let me turn this job into something that's going to benefit you know black people
1: it at that point, I was kind of confused because I was like, is he just putting his fist up and like being like, hell yeah, brother. Like, is he just doing that for like the the look of being undercover being like, all right, I need to look like I'm into this just so I don't look suspicious. Or is it really like affecting him in this way being like, "Okay, now he's feeling some sort of way about it.
0: I think in some of the best acting from him in this, I think he was very subtle in the way that, like, as the speech go went along, it turned more from I'm pretending to not stand out to this is actually affecting me is the way I like that. It looked to me.
1: And then I wondered how much of it he's just saying to get in Patrice's pants.
0: I mean, that's true, too, um, because that is definitely a goal of his. So the next day he calls the KKK. This is the funniest scene to me um it's one of the funniest scenes he's like so what's your story And he's like man i'm glad you asked he's like i really hate n words and like and then just goes on a list of other groups of people he hates um and just all the cops like slowly turn around and start looking at him he goes on and on sets up a meeting and then adam driver's like did you use a real fucking name and he's like oh shit he's like all right way to go man Uh, and then we're like we're off but uh, that scene is just like The 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 timing of like him saying that and then everyone starts to stare at him. So,
1: so, you know, that scene where they're like in the back of the locker and then he's trying to get the rhythm rhythm. So, so sorry. Adam Driver is trying to get the rhythm of his white guy talk, Uh his talk. So they sound alike when Adam Driver inevitably meets the rest of the KKK. And then um but then he's talking like jive and Adam driver has to copy that. I don't get that part. Why is he, why does he have to sound like Ron Stallworth not being white?
0: I don't think, I don't know. I think it was probably just, it almost felt like a voice exercise of like, uh, you can sound like me anyway. But I mean, what's funny is they're like, oh, I can talk jive and I can talk white is something Ron, the real Ron says, but it's like, he talks the same throughout the entire movie. Like he never sounded different to me, whether he was with the other cops, whether he was on the phone with David Duke or whether he was talking to Patrice, he constantly sounded like he talked the exact same.
1: See, I don't agree with you there because his normal voice, how he talks to like the other cops and the chief is like his normal voice. That's the way he just talks. And then the way he, he talks to the KKK members, it's not, it's like he's inflecting a little bit to be sounding more white, but then when he talks to Patrice, I feel like he goes way the other way of really trying to sound jive. <laughs>
0: my my friend, Anthony, uh, he had a white person voice. He's black. He had a white person voice he put on for people. I remember it was the hilarious thing one time he called a guy about a car because he was like forever looking for a car. And um, he's like, uh, hello. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so I'm interested in your da, da da da. And then the guy spoke and the guy was black and it's just disappeared in a snap he just started talking like himself again and i was just like yeah i think that was like at 16 when i was introduced to the to code switching but really like the black man white voice um i i don't know i didn't hear that much of a difference so they set up the meeting and adam driver goes and he meets this guy felix dude the guy that plays felix is fucking Finnish. oh really he looks like the most Southern racist guy. Like just he's let me great. ask you something. Let me ask you something. How surprised
1: were you to not see Walter Goggins in this movie?
0: <laughs> well, I think this dude Jasper took the role, honestly. <laughs> um, well, It's Walton. Walton Goggins. He plays the smart redneck, the one that you underestimate that always, you know comes yeah. out on top and none of them were those so <laughs> definitely not and i think yeah like uh his name's jasper in real life but felix is like someone who thinks he's smart but has this undercurrent of he's a complete idiot so like i don't know i think he works perfectly for that apparently when he when he went out for the job when he did his it's not an interview when you act, it's an audition. It's an audition. There we go. Couldn't think of that fucking word. Uh he was just pretending to be American the whole time. And then like finally at the end, Spec was like, well, wait, what are you? And he's like, oh, I'm finished. And he's like, I didn't even know. So you get the job.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that, that I man, I went to like an acting school when I was little. And I remember uh I remember someone was talking, like a uh, instructor was talking about actors going into casting directors and completely like being their character and then afterwards being like a totally normal person. And that impressed them so much that they like, I've heard that a lot. Like people just do that. Um, The, the next scene we get is Adam driver going to um, meeting up actually. So the guy he was talking to on the phone was not Felix.
0: Felix was the guy.
1: Right. And Felix met up with him. Um, So then they go to meet Walter. And it's this bar, I guess. It's not the house yet, but it's a bar where you meet. I I don't know his name, but the dumbest motherfucker.
0: It's Ivanhoe, and it's Paul Walter Hauser, who is just like one of the best actors out right now for playing like. You're he's the guy from Itanya. Oh, he
1: is the he is like the
0: typecast
1: to like the the stupid guy with the schemes, huh?
0: Well, I know, but he also played Richard Jewell in the Clint Eastwood movie. And I don't know, he's he's a great actor. And yeah, he is the characters a little over the top. But it's also like, I don't know, people like that exist. But yeah, it's it's a really funny scene. I I love when he's like, you know, I hate all black people. And he's like, well, you're uh, I forget how it gets brought up. But the Felix is like, you're forgetting about Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima. And he's like, damn, kind of like them rice and pancakes <laughs> there was
1: times where as he was talking i was thinking like oh maybe he secretly likes black people like it kind of reminded me of that um do the right thing scene where he was like talking about frank sinatra
0: and like all the you know
1: you know what sin i talking about
0: yeah, yeah where um yeah tuturo's he's like man your favorite people are black people Yeah. He's like, no, no, I like Springsteen. He's like, no, man, you like Prince. I know what you're talking about. I was like, is Ivanhoe going to be an undercover FBI agent? Dude, I
1: kept thinking people were undercover. I kept thinking people were undercover FBI agents. I thought, um, I don't know why I thought the wife was a fucking undercover. But when you first see her, when you first see her, you know what I thought she was going to do? I thought she was going to, she because he treated her so badly, I thought she was going to turn on him. But she was so indoctrinated it in it matter at that point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> She's going to pull a gun. <laughs> Freeze, SBI. Ow, motherfucker. Um, so they take him to the back office, and I love when he just goes over the fees, and he's like, $10 for this, $15 for this. Robes and hoods, not in cl- included. <laughs> fucking Ivanhoe's like fucking inflation. Oh man, just like the, the like the small intricacies of like the monotony of like oh we have to you know do our fifteen dollar a year fee and like oh but you got to buy your robes on your own. You, you get like probably got to go get fitted somewhere for it. I don't know.
1: Just, um, like
0: the- have, have you seen that Dave Chappelle skit
1: where he plays the blind KKK leader? Okay. Yes, obviously. I don't say obviously. I just heard about it today.
0: Wow. Yeah, so um Jordan peele actually brought this to Spike Lee and Spike Lee was like, What is that? Are you just doing the Dave Chappelle skit? And he's like, No, it's a real story. And then Spike Lee like read it and got came onto it. But yeah, like yeah. the I imagine a lot of people when this came out were like, You just fucking stole the Dave Chappelle skit. Um it's not that obviously. So there's a scene right after this where Adam Driver is, like, sort of hesitant that he thinks these people are actually, like, dangerous. Kind of like the parallel to when John David Washington was like, oh, the you know, the people at the Black Panther meeting were not dangerous. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. And John David Washington's like, no, I know. This is, like, this is serious. And it's a little bit at that point maybe he wants it to be serious. Although, Ivanhoe at one point, who's, like, stupid but also seems to be drunk the entire movie, was, like, it's too <laughs> Pool balls together and go. (sighs) Like there's big. What do you What do you know about C four? Do you know about (laughs) C
1: four? Where I can get some?
0: Yeah. So we're next. We're at the stakeout at. I guess it's at Felix's house. I keep fucking forgetting his name, and his wife is like the funniest part. Where she like starts talking, and he's like, "All right, honey, that's enough." She's like, "You know." one day you're gonna need something for me. I just want you to remember this. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna to go to the kitchen now. Oh, and then when he takes him downstairs, he's the Jew lie detector. And he's like, oh, I get it. You're just trying to see my big Jew dick. Is that what this is?
1: When John David Washington hears uh, him being like, "Pull down your
0: pants," because I want to see if you're sir, sir- what did he say circumvented. He said that, but then he's like, you guys got that weird penis thing, right? Like yours is different than ours somehow. <laughs> um, which also reminded me of the Jojo Rabbit scene where they're like,
1: you know, Jews have wings and horns and stuff like that. Like they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, stupid racists. Um, the the part where John David Washington gets scared that, oh shit, he's going to be found out. So he runs to the front door is so cool. So he throws this rock through the window, right? And then all the racists, including Adam Driver, run out. And then Adam Driver like jumps fucking over Felix, grabs his gun, and then shoots at John David Washington driving away. But you can tell, and it's so well done, that he purposely missed up the driveway or up the street.
0: Yep. He, he and he I, shot right behind the car each each time.
1: Each time in in perfect, like in a perfect row. And I got so angry when uh, the next couple scenes later where they're at at the shooting range and they bet that Adam Driver can't hit the target or whatever. Um, I got pretty pissed, actually, that he did so well because I was like, you should have fucking purposely missed.
0: Yeah, but he couldn't. He had to let him know. How good well, he Fe- was.
1: Felix got Felix got suspicious, though.
0: He did. He did get suspicious. Um, And I like how the second in command after this, he's like a fucking shooting. Like if, if you know, the chief finds out about this, he's like, well, is he going to find out about it? He's like, I guess I guess not. And then the next scene, John David Washington is trying to get Adam Driver's card. And he's like, you know, I need you at this cross burning and he calls and he's like, you know, who am I talking to? And he's like, David Duke. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And like without these phone calls, you don't really have them. Like it's still a movie. But like the fact that this dude was on the phone, like weekly, daily, whatever, with the biggest racist of the KKK, a guy who was going to run for president. I like that is really why this movie like gets made, why the book was written. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's like a crazy part of the story
1: i kind of wish that i didn't know that topher grace was playing david duke because then when you first see him you'd be like oh shit that's Topher grace and then he says oh this is david duke and then you're like ah oh, but i knew that from the get-go
0: yeah yeah so there's a bunch of like very kind of small scenes the drive range scene that you're talking about others oh, at one point uh, he says to David Duke, you're a great white American. And he's like, is there any other kind? Um, And so then he has this scene with Patrice and there's a bunch of scenes with Patrice where he's like hiding who he is. And then she's, she tells him like, you can't change cops from the inside. And then, you know, at the end she gets mad at him and he's like, I'm literally investigating the KKK. And he kind of makes this point to her. Like, I'm actually doing something right here. You know what I mean? Like I am saving like, helping to save black lives and she's just like i am not she's not having it and it's kind of like a you know this movie came out before uh 2020 when you had the george floyd killing and sort of like the very like vitriolic like language around cops and how like you know it was basically drew sides and you had like all cops are bastards things like that but that like a lot of that Patrice represented a lot of like that, like there are no good cops that like the whole institution is racist. And like, so like having that sort of viewpoint and John David Washington being a cop, but being in love with her or infatuated with her. And it's, it's sort of an interesting part of this movie that also just like, you know, brings the plot together at the end.
1: There's a scene where they're walking in the park and they're talking about uh, black sportation uh, films and, and, different uh black like actor iconic roles that they've played and i like how it was almost uh like he was vetting him uh not vetting, vetting her um she was saying like she doesn't like police officers like you said but then he was like well how do you feel about like shaft versus you know some other guys like she's like super fly oh, super fly she's like uh, I know, because they're Shaft and Superfly are both detectives, right? Superfly is a pimp. Oh, Superfly is a pimp. And see. She didn't um, like that he was a pimp. Well, yeah. OK, so but she's like, oh, I'll take detective any day. But it was like almost a test. He's like trying to like see like oh, if I come out as a detective, is that going to make her like me better? And actually, that's what he does instead of being. And he, I don't think he's a detective, right? He's just a cop, undercover cop, right? But then he tells her, she's like, are you a cop? He's like, no, I'm a detective, which to him. Probably
0: he thinks he's saved by that. Like, that sounds better. Yeah. So we then have Felix goes to Ron's place and finds John David Washington and Patrice there. And then he tells driver, hey, you have a twin. And he's like, well, my number is unlisted. So, you know, you you wouldn't have found me there. Um, And then there's this kind of cool scene with driver afterwards talking to John David Washington. he's like, you know, I was never Jewish, right. You know, I am Jewish, but I never had a bar mitzvah. I didn't go to any bar mitzvahs. He's like, and now I'm down in this racist basement, like denying it every day. You know what I mean? Like it's, and you can kind of see that he's starting to realize like, how important this is and how like it affects him too it doesn't just affect john david washington because he's black like it affects him you know as a jewish person but just in general as like an american um and we next get to the attempted cross burning where ivanhoe's like do you know anything about c4 and like there's this cool little bit where john david washington's doing it a lot of the clan people are doing it felix is doing it where like as they're driving, they're just listening to David Duke's speeches, but done yeah. by Topher Grace. Yeah. Um, and it is just this really cool part of like, it's continually making the point of like how bad these people are, how dangerous they are, you know, just allowing them to like kind of run dormant. Um, it
1: It's kind of funny because when they first meet, you know, there's this kkk and they don't want to be called kkk because they know that that sounds bad so they're like it's not kkk it's the organization right and david duke isn't the the head chief clansman he's the director right so they have all this like coding but they don't shy away from their hate but they know that like society frowns upon it. I was I always found that interesting. It's like the proud boys, right? Like nowadays, it's like, "Oh, we're racist and we're happy about it." But then they go out in public and wear masks, like fucking cowards. So, you know, it's like it's all this like uh hypocritical stuff they they say. But then you have like If I remember correctly, it's like David Duke was has never been caught with the hood over his head or anything like that. Um Oh, it's the bar scene where he's like, "Yeah, but we're not violent." Right? We're not a violent
0: uh organization. We're we not violent anymore. We just, you know, we burn some crosses here and there. Uh there there is this funny back and forth with uh David Duke is describing when he had like basically like a a black nanny. And he's like, "Yeah, Pinky was my Hattie McDaniel talking about Gone with the Wind." And then Ron tells him this story about, you know, I knew a black kid once when I was like seven. We called him yeah. Butter Biscuit because he loved his mom's Butter Biscuits. And then my dad one day found out I couldn't play with him. And David Duke was like, it sounds like your dad was a good man. And like the the look on John David Washington's face, I was like, were you Butter Biscuit?
1: That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, it was either that or his dad told
0: him not to play with a white kid. No, I think, I think that the white kid's dad probably said it. Um, so there's this little like side plot, which I don't know. It, it adds like adds color to the movie, but like Walter is like, Hey, I don't have the votes to be reelected anymore. I don't know why you would laugh at that. I don't have votes to be elected anymore. <laughs> you know why? And then, and then he asks Ron to run. Cause he's like, we can't let Felix run, which isn't interesting. Like I don't, yeah, but then it, Ron's like oh I can't run because my dad you know was sick and then he's like yeah my dad's sick in Dallas he's like I thought you said El Paso uh, El Paso and he's like did I oh well Dallas is the layover city or whatever and it's like I don't know that doesn't turn into anything I think maybe it's just like more ammunition for Felix being like what the fuck's going on here like this guy can't be trusted it's
1: that it's raising the audience tension and suspense to like are they gonna get caught and Walter's his name right
0: uh, yeah, the leader of that mm-hmm. chapter.
1: Yeah. So he's like, look, I might be a racist, but Felix is a bad racist. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. He was saying at that moment.
0: Well, it was like he's dangerous, right? Like, like hot headed. He's, he's and... going to take it too far. He's just not a good leader, which is well, true.
1: They're always disagreeing.
0: Like Felix is like, oh, you got to take
1: this July detector test. And I got like this gun pointed in your face. And Walter's
0: like, I like when can you, when you he... chill. When he takes him into the room, he's like, this is why we can't keep members. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Felix has Ron come over again. What's funny is Felix calls John David Washington as Ron. He's like, hey, can you come over? And then it cuts to Driver walking up to the house. And I was like, oh, fuck, are they going to get caught? But it was just yes. like a cut in the movie. Yeah. Um,
1: Actually, I believe that it wasn't even like that kind of cut. I think you even heard the phone conversation as he's walking up to that. Correct.
0: House. Yeah, but it's just like a, a kind of a fun way to like do the movie. It's just like artistic. But yeah, I was yeah. confused at first like, "Oh shit." Um and then he's like, "Always have a gun on you and you have Ivanhoe like fucking <laughs> pointing the gun at his head. He's like, "I know how to, you know, I know how to be safe." Um and then the scene we talked about earlier, Felix with his wife, where she's like having second thoughts, but then oh, I'm just so I'm so looking forward to this. I'm glad it's finally here. Oh, dude, there's something like
1: you have the cross burning in the end and you have them in the church, like putting on their hoods and stuff. And it's bad and it gives you an icky feeling. But there was no scene more stomach churning than Felix and his wife fucking laying in bed together, him like spooning her, talking about killing black people. I was just like, ugh, disgusting.
0: I think the Harry Belafonte scene where he's talking about the guy who was really pulled out of the courtroom and his testicles cut off in the middle of the street, and then he was burned for hours on end was more stomach churning to me.
1: Okay, that was pretty bad. Pretty
0: fucking awful. That's a true story.
1: What do you think? Uh, what do you think Spike was trying to say when he had like the
0: the parallel of white power, white power, and then black power, black power? I mean, that's a, that's a common thing he does, though, right? Because he did the same thing in Miracle at Saint Anna, where he has um, he had the German guy and the Italians praying. and the black guys all praying at the same time, and then he did something similar. <laughs> he showed like in Malcolm X, like Malcolm X getting ready. While the people who are going to kill him, ready. He always does that juxtaposition of like the the you know the opposing forces coming at each other.
1: At first, I was like, "Is he trying to say like the being just being radical is is bad? Like no matter which side you're on." But the more I think about it, it was like that doesn't make sense for for Spike Lee to take that position. The more I thought about it, it's like you have the radical. Black Panthers being like, black power, black power. But as you're watching the guy's whole speech and everything, you don't feel a sense of harm. Like, you don't feel like they're going to hurt people or they're not, danger, right? You don't have have a, a feel of danger when you see them. even Even with their hands in the air and them shouting, you don't feel danger. And then there's not even that many white people being inducted into the KKK in in that area, in that space. And then they're all sitting down and they're not like, they're not that fired up about it, but you have this immense sense of danger. um, When you, when you're watching them. And I think I felt like that was more of what he was trying to say. It's like, you have, you know, the, the both radical but only one you feel danger towards.
0: I also think he was making the point of like black power is like a natural response to like what, you know, white power to like, to like defend themselves against like racism and like the results of that, like, you know, people being killed. Yeah. Um, then John David Washington meets an FBI agent and we find out those two guys that, From earlier, worked at NORAD, and he's like, These are fucking top security people who are just members of the KKK. Um, we don't really even know what happened with them. I guess they got taken somewhere in a black bag, hopefully. And then the FBI is like, Yeah, we're not involved with this at all. We like never had this conversation. And he tries to warn Patrice, but she basically like breaks up with him and calls him like a a house not a nice word. Um, and Then Driver's like, we learned about those in uh, in Django Unchained. I hopefully, yeah, okay. Um, And then Driver is mad at him for telling Patrice about this. He's like, that's not your fucking job to do that. And then Felix says, he gets a, Felix calls and tells them that the march is off. I guess there was a Klan march that was happening. That was what was happening at the same time that the speech was supposed to be happening with the Black Power movement. And, um, And then this is the, this is where I'm just like, all right, is this bad writing or is the chief a part of the clan? Because he tells John David Washington to go guard David Duke and it makes absolutely no fucking sense. And I was like, Felix saw him and now he's going to see that that's Ron Stallworth and then Ron Stallworth is a cop.
1: Forget that. Forget that. Even back when he got the identity mixed up in the phone book, which he didn't, but he looked him up in the phone book. He went to Ron Stallworth's apartment, saw him and then saw Patrice in the background and recognized him or sorry, recognized her. How did that not like how did he not connect it that way? Connect what? Coincidentally, the number one protester that you're against that you want to blow up. You just so happen to pick the guys by the same name who just joined the KKK and she's at his house. I mean, and the only reason I guess Felix didn't recognize him at the
0: at the David Duke thing is because he was wearing glasses, right? I guess it almost felt like the way he acted it, that he did recognize him, but he was just keeping it under his hat because that other guy comes up to him. and He's like, hey, that dude's a cop. And he's like, yeah, I know. And that black guy's a cop too. Like he didn't seem to have a moment of realization, because at first, when John David Washington gets there, Felix like talks to him, basically talks down to him, like you know, know your place, like you know, you know, you're black, we hate you, and um, it seems like he doesn't recognize him. I was like, okay, I guess he just thinks they all look alike. He, you know, he's. I think that was
1: part of it too. Yeah.
0: I don't know. But then the way he acts, it's like he knew the whole time. I don't know. It's very confusing. But it's just like, it makes no sense for the chief. To, there's no other fucking cops that can do this. Why don't you send the racist cop? He would love to go hang out with David Duke. Maybe that's why he doesn't. He's like, I can't send Landers because he's just going to fucking end up a member if I send him. Like, I can't. <laughs> I have to keep him away. Um, yeah, I I there's the uh,
1: the older guy that works in the same task force as John David and Adam Driver. I don't know his
0: name, but he could have sent him maybe. He's There's white. There's tons of cops that could have gone. There's no reason for him to be the one that goes. Yeah. It, it made no sense. And then he got so close to him. And dude,
1: when he asked for a Polaroid, I was dying. I was dying. And
0: then he like hugged them and they freaked out about that. I was like holy shit well and so like the way driver talks to him he's like uses very bad language and tells him to get the fuck out of there and then afterwards when the movie's almost over he's like dude that fucking picture i fucking loved that (laughs) he's just like so happy about it um so felix is preparing his wife for a bomb and then this is where we sort of have like the inner cut of the the meeting of the Black Panthers with the the speech about the the guy who was basically like lynched and killed and the the white you know the white group and there's also this funny part where like David Duke is speaking and then you see all the white waitresses smiling as it pans across them and then the black waiters and the one guy's like ah oh, fuck if I had known this was a Klan meeting I wouldn't work today
1: <laughs> dude when it was panning over the black waiters. And it lands on that one guy that talks. I was ho- I was just sitting there watching. it. I'm like, please, please say something like I know whatever you're about to say is going to be fucking gold. So please say something. And it was and I was very happy. I was just like, oh, my. he's like, fuck this shit.
0: <laughs> so in the black in, in the meeting, he's talking about this guy, Jesse Washington, who was killed. And he said, you know he was convicted after four minutes and then he goes into details about what would happen to him. It's like that happened in 1816, 200 years ago. And it was incredibly hard to listen to. Like, I was like, please stop telling me about this. Um, And then at one point he says, Jesse was killed in part because of birth of a nation, which actually doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. I wrote that down, but that doesn't make any sense. No,
1: no, no. I think what, cause they were watching birth of a nation.
0: I know, but he said, the, the guy speaking said something about Birth of a Nation, and then it cuts to the clan meeting where they watch, Birth of a Nation is a two-hour and five-minute movie. So you just have this induction ceremony, and then you have to sit there and watch a two-hour movie. Um, it's just funny. And there's this little tidbit about, so Spike Lee went to NYU film school. In there, they taught Birth of a Nation because this movie is so old, but like it's very technically advanced in like some of the ways they shot it. And he was upset that he's like, you're really just underplaying the just rampant racism of this movie. It's a movie about the clan. Um, and he almost got expelled for that because like he, you know, responded to the professors. I think it was either a movie or a letter, basically like this is fucking ridiculous. And they tried to get him expelled. And then, you know, he didn't obviously um, there's, there's also this parallel you talked about john david washington during the black panther speech in the beginning you know is he cheering because he's enjoying it or whatever but then driver standing up like a standing ovation to birth of a nation trying to fit in is just hilarious
1: also felix's fucking wife narrating the whole (laughs) fucking thing i was just like They had to add that in there, right? Because she would be the worst person to go see any fucking movie with. Like, she's that type of person. And I think we all can resonate with hating that type of person. Bad enough she's a racist, worse that she's someone who talks during a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Worse. Kidding, I'm kidding.
0: Oh, oh, you know, and he also talked about Birth of a Nation was like Woodrow Wilson showed it at the White House, right? And so he's like putting it in the context of like, this is not some like movie that just happened to be made like independently, right? This was a fucking huge movie and like Yeah. It's about the KKK. Um so this is something that never pays off. Felix goes up to David Duke at the party afterwards. There's a cocktail hour after you watch a 2-hour movie. <laughs> And he goes to shake David Duke's hand and he does like Morse code on his wrist. Okay. I thought
1: that that was going to do something.
0: (laughs) It did nothing.
1: It did nothing. It actually actually made everything much more confusing. Because you have the Morse code and then you have you actually, I, I disagree with you. You do have a moment where Felix is like looking at um, adam driver then looking back at john david and then looking back at Adam driver and I think in that moment that's his moment of realization he's like he's a cop and he's a cop they're both cops right but then you have that other guy who's like uh I know it was the cop because he put me in the um uh put me in jail um but I love adam drivers i'm I'm backtracking a little bit but I want to mention I love Adam driver's moment where David Duke's like, what's how does he know you? And he's like, oh, we we serve time in prison together. Um But anyway, so the Morse code happened and then you have him sending his wife off. Don't you? That happens after. It's almost yes. like it's almost like he's telling David Duke it's on. But it it's shot like it would have been him telling him like you're in trouble. I don't know,
0: dude. I don't know. You know, that's actually a very good point that actually is probably what the movie is tr- sort of intimating that David Duke was sort of involved with this. Right. You know, cause there's this Walter is like, Oh, you know, this isn't kind of what we're doing. And you see, it, it sort of seems like Felix is doing this kind of explosion thing on his own. So maybe he's telling David Duke about it secretly. Like, Hey, we're about to, we're about to detonate this device and sort of implicating that he was in on it. Maybe that's kind of sort of the purpose of it. And it's like, maybe you do it that way to avoid any like you're implying that he knew about it, but you don't want to get sued. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's already pretty some like defamation shit in there about David Duke. Anyways, he could probably try. He could probably try. I don't know. He
0: was in the clan. I don't know. I mean, anything else. I don't know what else was going to ruin his reputation that much. I mean, I guess you're
1: right. Like, why would he
0: deny that at
1: that point? Now, when uh, Felix's wife, is going to plant the bomb at patrice's house i was in my head trying to think of a million different ways she could fuck this up and one of the ways i thought it would be really funny is like she could she never planted it so she had it in her purse first of all it made it i'm sorry i'm, I'm kind of jumping around but i'm thinking about a bunch of things here didn't it make it seem like she had the trigger because he was teaching her how to use the trigger but she never had the trigger they did.
0: I think See, no. Like, they, they were they were telling her how to arm it. So yeah, I don't. They didn't really imply that she had the trigger. They were telling her you have to click this so that it's armed because you don't want it to just always be armed. No, I guess you're right.
1: But I thought like since she couldn't put it in the in the box in the mailbox, she had it on her when she was like walking away. I think what would have been a funny scene too is like those two racist cops that like put down John David Washington, um, in defense of her. And it would be funny like Felix and them roll up and then the two racist cops is like with her, like on the other side of the street and they blow her up along with the cops. Well, like John David Washington's like on the ground. I thought I was like, maybe that that is one way or she accidentally leaves it in the, in the banquet hall or something. I was thinking of like all different kinds of ways she could fuck it up.
0: So Felix is about to spill beans to David Duke that driver is a Jewish cop. Or maybe they don't know he's Jewish at this point. They suspect he's suspected heavily this whole time that he's wanted to see his dick. Oh, we're back there. okay. Um, Yeah, you sort of decide to skip ahead a little bit. I'm just sort of, you know, putting us in context. And they get he gets this call from his wife that he's like. She's like, They're every- the cops are everywhere. And he's like, all right, well, we got to go to plan B. And so plan B is to set the bomb up at Patrice's. And John David Washington figures this out and Driver figures this out. And this last scene is set up absolutely fucking perfectly from Con- Connie trying to stick it in the mailbox, but it's too big. So they just didn't plan the shit out at all. She then has to like double around to avoid Patrice. She goes to the car. She hears the squeal and it, the camera makes it look like she keeps it. The camera does not make it seem like she left it there to me. It doesn't. No, it, it actually leaves it. It leaves it up in the air. You don't know. I thought she still had it. I thought she didn't have enough time to plant it and definitely not enough time to click it on. Maybe she would already clicked it on. So then John David Washington chases her down and then just in the most frustrating turn of events, which it sort of makes sense because like he is the first black cop. So these other cops, like not knowing, although like, is this just a different town with a different police force? But they just immediately like start beating him up and arresting him. And Connie and just like perfect fashion is like, he tried to rape me, which the cops. Why are you believing that? But she's like, he was attacking me. And then driver comes up. Well, Felix comes up. So the explosion happens first, I guess. Yes. So Felix comes up right next to the car goes to explode it and it fucking kills him that other guy and Ivan Ho and I was yeah. like oh that's fucking perfect and then just driver coming up he's like <laughs> he just throws his badge at him he's like he's a fucking cop you idiot it's like it's it's so like it's a subtle thing here which most of the movie is not very subtle but when the cops show up John David Washington has to like have his hand shown the whole time and is like I'm a cop but he has to let himself get arrested, get thrown on the ground, get beaten. Because if he does anything, he's going to get shot in the fucking head. Yeah. And Adam Driver, who is white, walks up and throws his fucking badge at the cop. Even before that. fuck off.
1: Even before that. Even before Adam Driver even grabs his badge, he jumps out of the car with his gun, gun drawn, pointed at the cops. And yeah. the cops are like. hello upstanding citizen um what is going on here today and then he takes out his badge and throws it to them and calls them fucking idiots but you're right it is so frustrating it is one of the most frustrating parts of the movie where just because he's white adam driver can just come out guns a blazing.
0: Well, that's Um, not the frustrating part. Is the way they treated John David Washington, right? And they—he's like, "I have my badge right here," and they're like, "We're not even going to look at it."
1: No, we're not even going to look at it.
0: It's in my pocket, and they're like, "Nah, fuck that." Oh my god, I was like, "Black cop, absolutely not." (laughs) Um. So the next scene after this is the setup of Landers, and you're like, "Wow, this is a very happy ending for a for a Spike Lee movie." You know, like they get the racist cop too, and he's like going to jail, and the chief is in on it, and everyone's high fiving. But then the next day, the chief stops the investigation, not only stops it, but it's like, I want all the evidence of this investigation destroyed. Um, and he even tells Ron, like, you should probably take a vacation. And it's just like completely fucks them over. And he's about to leave. And then he gets the final call from David Duke. And like I said, this didn't really happen. But, man, it's so funny. And like the lingering on. Topher Grace as he just realizes he's been talking to this black guy this whole time so funny
1: you have this other scene too where he's talking to them and then like the other people a part of the investigation are like around John David Washington's desk and they're like snickering and laughing and shit Um, I think it's just like it's so cathartic to have scenes like this where you're just like fucking making fun of the stupidity of these people Um, on top of that there's this the part where they're like, you have to get rid of everything in the investigation. And it shows John David Washington ripping up documents and throwing them in the trash. Right. Yep. You have the next like the scene ending this movie is him in his apartment, which I guess now he shares with Patrice. I think she's just at
0: his place. It makes it seem that way. Whatever. Well, um, and she there was an explosion in her house. She's probably staying over <laughs> it didn't you feel like
1: the whole movie was setting up that after they get rid of all the evidence, I would love to have seen it where it's like, he still takes that picture of him and David Duke and sticks it in the evidence locker. Like Probably. that's the only bit of evidence that's left from the investigation.
0: I mean, I doubt he got rid of all the evidence in real life.
1: Yeah, maybe. I I I just felt like he was sitting there with his KKK membership card, which is so funny that that is even a thing. Um and then Well, I'll,
0: you can't call yourself a card-carrying member if there's not real cards, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> um but I I wish we just saw that picture one more
0: time. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, you would have liked to see it. Apparently the real Ron Stallworth like carries the KKK card in his wallet like to this day and he's like i just he was like i just thought it would be funny if i died one day and someone found it in my wallet (laughs) it would be funny Uh so the movie ends in like a very sour note (laughs) obviously like not not, like as a bummer almost so this movie was being edited when charlottesville happened and so that's sort of ending and you know um almost uh in the memory of the woman who was killed by the guy that drove through the crowd. Yeah. Um, That was all added. Spike actually called her mother and asked if he could do it there. You know, at one point this guy in the crowd at the, at the KKK luncheon or whatever says, you know, I want to make America great again. And I was just thinking, so like when something's ADR, it's pretty fucking obvious. So like that sounded like that guy was in the room like it didn't sound like very noticeable adr but i guess it could have been but i was just curious if that part got added too when they added the charlottesville stuff in and they added the trump speech i'd be curious to know what you know how much of the the trump connection was being made in this movie before the charlottesville stuff was added you know it's kind of interesting too you know a lot of people trump's response to charlottesville like the the quote that most people use is like, they're good people on both sides and he got a lot of shit for that. And so people will counter with, well, you know, that wasn't the full thing he said. He said a lot of other stuff is more nuanced than that. And I like that Spike just used like most of the quote, like used a bunch of the quotes and it's like, I don't know how you explain away what he said. Like it's just, it's very poorly (laughs) explained.
1: Um it, Trump is one of those like people who talks before he thinks. Um, sort of sort of guys and sailor it, recognizes a sailor. Shut up. Whatever. There there's also um you know, this was made in 2018, so the production probably started in 2017. So Trump's Make America Great Again, um his um what do you call it? His uh, slogan was already like wildly known but did you know that that was also like a slogan during ronald reagan's time no are you saying no it wasn't or no you didn't know no you asked me if i knew i said no oh okay so i mean he could have been taking from that
0: you know i mean that that was more i'm def no well first of all because reagan was president after this movie is supposed to take place so i'm definitely sure it was a commentary on trump
1: this I'm saying a, it could have been a commentary on both. It, it it doesn't matter.
0: I would bet all the money in my bank account. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I like, I think the connection at the end. You know, when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know. It's it's definitely like the way it ends the movie is pretty rough. Especially we've already had some rough scenes, like we talked about the the speech from uh, Harry Belafonte. But I think when you when you have the context of like Spike was editing this movie, this happened, something like it obviously profoundly affected him and a lot of people in this country, Um, and he just felt the need to add this in, and in remembrance of this woman who died, it was kind of like, I don't know, it makes the movie like all that more powerful. Um, It's just like the it's funny that the 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 vibe of this movie is kind of light for a subject matter like this, and then to like, you have the one the one speech about the the lynching, and then the um and then this, uh, but is different that's, different. The it's kind of
1: it. th- that's what is kind of great about it too, because it's it's light, not in subject matter, but in in tone, and it kind of makes it easily digestible for a general audience to take it in. Because at times it's kind of like a PI movie at times it's like a action movie, but it's, it's this right. It's, it's very politically driven, but it's easily digestible. And I think that's great because then it, it, it has a chance to make a lot of people aware of this sort of thing. Um, Especially like a lot of younger people who might not be that aware of it. And um, I was telling you, I was talking about it earlier, but maybe it's, it's one of Spike Lee's most like, uh, Blockbusterish type of movies, mo-
0: like general audience type of so movies. This movie uh, is the highest-grossing movie of Spike's career after Inside Man. Exactly
1: my point. Exactly, and it's like m- way more politically, dr- um, politically and racially driven than Inside Man
0: too. So, fun facts: the real Ron Stallworth wanted Denzel Washington to play him, um, but he was like, "All right, I'll take John David." He was like excited <laughs> that it was his son. Uh, apparently, there were no deleted scenes in this movie. Like, everything that got shot right. is in this movie, which is actually pretty cool. This is the first Spike Lee film since Old Boy to be shot on film. Old Boy being shot on film is kind of crazy to me because that movie looks so bad. As <laughs> You and I were talking off the pod the other day. That makes me even more mad about
1: that fucking movie. And if people don't know about me, I fucking hate Spike Lee's remake of Old Boy. Um, On, like, every Spike Lee pod we've (laughs) done so far. If they've (laughs) listened, they know. (laughs) Well, the thing is, too, it's like I barely watched any Spike Lee movies before this month. And so, like, watching Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, Miracle of Santa Ana, 25th Hour, and then only having watched Old Boy and Inside Man before this is like maybe Spike Lee isn't that great of a director. But now watching all of his movies or a lot of his movies, I know he's a
0: great director. So it's like, where did it go so wrong with old boy? So this was uh, produced in part by Blumhouse, which I did not know. Um, And the last thing I was getting confused earlier. So the story Harry Belafonte was talking about Jesse Washington that happened in 1916. And it was they did feel in part like birth of a nation sort of like, made that, like, possible in people's head, like, that that was partly responsible for people doing that to that guy. Like, they were um, watching
1: the movie and thinking, oh, it, no, that
0: okay. Yeah, that that movie sort of stoked racist tendencies in people and then they fucking murdered this guy in the middle of the street as the government just watched and let it happen. Um, after that, it's really hard to talk about how great this movie was, but it was. Um, and it was very funny and it had moments that kicked you in the gut i uh i don't know this has been a great month of spike lee movies and it's funny like we did inside man what a year or two ago and i was always like that's my favorite and i still think it is but man like i didn't we didn't do a bad movie this month we did five right like i there are spike lee movies that do not talk about old boy again there are other spike lee movies that are like Supposed to not be great. I've had basketball in the background the whole time and it's the Knicks versus the Brooklyn Nets and Spike Lee is keeps being shown on the TV because he always goes to Knicks games. I just think it's hilarious. That's funny. This movie is great and I've really enjoyed Spike Lee Month.
1: No, this actually might be... I was saying Miracle of St. Anna might be my favorite Spike Lee movie and then I watched Black Clansman. and this might be my favorite Spike Lee movie. And it's one of those movies that's very similar to Jojo Rabbit um, where... It just it has you thinking about it long after you've um watched it. and I don't know. it's 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 so fucking good. it's so good and and I remember too, um having like watching the the commercials and trailers for this movie and thinking it's one of those movies that I was like, I'm gonna definitely see that when uh, movies come out. And then I just never fucking did, and I'm just so like, why? But I remedied that. So,
0: well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and we finally watched Black, Black Klansman. Klansman.